HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by 100 Bogart Street. Do you need a conference room for your next meeting? Learn more by visiting 100bogart.com. If you think about it, this is kind of like terrible comparison, but it's kind of like a braided New Orleans babka, if you really think about the actual technique of it. A dessert with many names, baked and shared around the world, the king cake is most recognized in the U.S. for its relationship to Mardi Gras. This week, we learn more about its origins and treat ourselves to the decadent king cake not once, but twice. Okay, guys, so this morning I woke up to an email that said your king cake is on the way. And it will be in the office by 3 p.m. And I was really hoping it would be before that because I wanted king cake for breakfast. (laughs) I'm Kat Johnson, and this is Meat and Three. Meat and Three. Meat and Three. Meat and Three. One meat, three sides. Food, news, and storytelling. A square meal for your ears. Meat and Three. People from around the world celebrate with some kind of version of the king cake. It's a ring of buttery, sweet dough topped with icing. It emerges from a mix of old pagan and Catholic customs, and the king cake today represents a multitude of holidays. For example, it can mark Epiphany, which is the end of Christmas and the day the three kings ended their journey to baby Jesus. For many, it also marks the beginning of a new year. And of course, it's a major symbol for Mardi Gras the biggest party of the year, and the beginning of the Lent and Easter season. The Meat and Three team was eager to try some king cake together, so I did what anyone serious about authenticity would do. I overnighted one from a specialty bakery in New Orleans to our office in Bushwick. This is from Rantazzo's King Cake in Metairie, Louisiana, and we ordered this last week. Randazzo's gets orders for king cake from all across the country. They're baked to order, shipped, and enjoyed the very next day. We're going to slice it up. We're all going to have a slice, and we're going to see if someone gets the baby. But this cake, I think, is too big for all of us, so there's a chance that it remains in the cake. We have to eat the whole cake. We have to eat it. I think we got this. We got this? We got this. After cutting into our cake, we started to ask the big questions. Where does the king cake come from? Why do we eat this at Mardi Gras? And most importantly... Do we know why they put a baby in the cake yet? It's for, it's for the epiphany. Well, apparently, it came from... The king cake came from France in 1870. And according to the Randazzo site, 
It's decorated in royal colors of purple, which signifies justice, green for faith, and gold for power. The ring shape of the pastry symbolizes a crown, and the baby hidden inside, of course, represents baby Jesus. In New Orleans, a tradition of hiding the baby in the cake came from the social clubs known as crews, who would host parades and balls for high society. A cake would be presented to debutantes and guests, and whoever found the baby, or in the early days, a bean, in the slice of cake, would be crowned king or queen for the evening. Oh, wait. Matt's, yeah. Matt's eating. What, 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 what? Matt. I want to know. <laughs> what are Oh, it's very sweet. It tastes like cake. It's like a cinnamon roll. As we enjoyed our king cake, we grew more and more concerned about finding our own hidden baby. Is getting the baby good luck? Yes. The tiny plastic baby was nowhere to be found until. <laughs> Wait, what? Oh my gosh. That is very disturbing. Look at its butt. Wait, but so, please, please, for people listening at home, it's just like a pink, it's just like a pink body inside the cake. Cat found it in the bottom of the cake. Randazzo's provided us with a truly memorable king kick experience, but our appetites weren't yet satiated. Afterwards, we had to know exactly what it takes to bake a king cake. So we visited our friend Jake Cohen, editorial director of the Feed Feed and host of the Feed Feed podcast, at their test kitchen around the corner from our office. Jake put his own creative spin on a traditional cake and let us try the results. When we come back, we'll take you with us into the Feed Feed kitchen. More Meat and 3 after the break. This episode is brought to you by 100 Bogart, a new building in Bushwick, Brooklyn, that provides offices, co-working, event spaces, and a brand new podcast recording room. Have you been dreaming of starting your very own podcast in Brooklyn? You can now rent space in 100 Bogart's custom-built podcast room to record interviews, voiceover, and commentary. The room is fitted out with two microphones, mixing board, and a MacBook Pro running Pro Tools. You can rent the space by the hour, and a rental of an hour or more includes a 100 Bogart co-working pass. That means complimentary coffee, tea, and access to your own desk for the rest of the day. So what are you waiting for? Get started on your next audio project. 100 Bogart has the space and amenities you need to kickstart your podcast. Learn more at 100bogart.com or call their team at 718-362-3539. Welcome back to Meet and 3. We pick back up on our king cake journey with Jake Cohen. We are in the Feed Feed Test Kitchen here in Brooklyn, a few blocks away from Heritage. Uh, Super excited. I'm Jay Cohen. I'm the editorial director here at Feed Feed, as well as I am a host on Heritage of the Feed Feed podcast. We're making king cake. You asked me to make king cake. I'm going to make you a king cake. Super easy. Um, It's kind of just uh, when you think of what king cake is, is that obviously from New Orleans you think Mardi Gras, but at the end it's like a lot of those classic roots in French pastry. It might be super easy for a pro like Jake, but our team still wasn't even clear on exactly what kind of pastry a king cake is. 
So it's kind of like a super classic brioche. What it is, is it's just like a yeasted dough with milk, sugar, a lot of eggs. I um, have it enriched with butter, which is kind of like that brioche aspect to it. If you think about it, this is kind of like terrible comparison, but it's kind of like a braided New Orleans babka, if you really think about the actual technique of it. I've done everything from fill it with like Bananas Foster style filling with cream cheese to what we're doing today, which is just we had some extra lemon curd, so we're gonna mix that with some brown sugar and then just roll it up. Really, what it is, is just like you think of the striations of doughs rolled out, topped with something, rolled up, you have two different braids that you then just twist together and then connect into a crown-like thing. Uh, sometimes you stick in a baby if you want. I did not bring a baby. Uh, if you have a, a little plastic baby, of course, not a, a, not a live child. It turns out this seemingly simple dessert takes a lot of preparation. A lot of king cakes are kind of on the drier side, which I didn't want, so this is definitely a very soft dough. I let it proof for about an hour, hour and a half, depending on the temperature outside, and then I split it up into two pieces, and we're gonna roll each out into a wide rectangle. Typically about like almost a quarter inch thick, more like a sixth. And then you're going to continue to brush with flour because at the end of the day, a soft dough is gonna be best, but it also is gonna be the stickiest. Okay, so this is about the thickness we're looking for. Again, super thin allows you then to get as more layers as you roll it up. The concept is you're filling it up with something that's then going to be that like caramelly, sticky stuff in the middle. Today we're using lemon curd, a little fancy. We're going to then roll it up with the long side first. Next, Jake twisted the two rolls of dough together to form a crown shape. After making a simple powdered sugar glaze and waiting about 30 minutes for the dough to bake into a beautiful golden brown, our masterpiece was ready to go. It is risen, it is puffy. Um, if I let it proof, I probably could have spread it out a little bit, but we have a beautiful crown of brioche goodness. And we're just drizzling the glaze on top. Keep it thick because we're doing it while it's warm, so it's naturally gonna melt and spread. We added a bit of edible glitter in traditional purple, green, and gold to top it all off and we were ready to taste it. Oh my God, it's so much better than the last one. <laughs> it's like buttery, it's light, but um, like the tang from the lemon curd is really nice. It kind of offsets the sweetness. That's really good. The lemon curd in practice was not the best idea because of the way that it kind of leaked off the sides, but that was actually really easy to take off. That being said, next time I'd probably just do brown sugar and cream cheese and then add in some lemon zest. Call it a day. Fresh ingredients and a skilled hand brought a little something extra to this New Orleans treat. Whatever type of king cake you know and love, it's definitely a special way to celebrate Mardi Gras. Thanks to Jake and the Feed Feed for their help. We wrap up this week by revisiting an HRN feature from the past by producer Sam Lee. 
Sam spoke to chef John Kaluta of Kaluta Cakes in New Orleans to hear firsthand how their version of the king cake is made from scratch and how crucial authenticity is when it comes to this legendary pastry. Chef John Kaluta has been making king cakes in New Orleans since 1990. A graduate of the Culinary Institute of America and former pastry chef for the Royal Orleans Hotel, Chef Kaluta takes pride in making each of his cakes from scratch, which is pretty crazy because they're currently making around 1,500 cakes a day in their Harahan, Louisiana bakery. It's a very moist, light cake. It's got a nice cinnamon. It's all hand-braided, which is um, a lot of ways people take shortcuts today and don't braid the cakes anymore, and it makes a big difference in the, in the quality of the cake. A traditional New Orleans king cake is made with a sweet brioche or a Danish pastry and braided and shaped into a ring with a cream cheese filling. But Kaluta's also offers a variety of cake flavors that break the traditional mold. We also do different pop-up flavors, which we're known for, pop-up flavors of the, of the day or um, of the week. Like today, we're doing um, apple salon and, and coconut dream. We did wedding cake. Our special of the week is banana foster. Last week is maple bacon. Next week is Oreo cream. So we have different fun flavors and stuff like that as well. According to Chef Kaluta, right now, if you walked into pretty much any school or office in New Orleans, there's likely to be at least one king cake in the break room. Somebody is designated to bring the king cake, usually at the beginning of the season. And whoever gets the baby is designated to bring the cake the next party or the next office meeting. The chef's referring to the tradition of hiding a tiny plastic or porcelain baby in every king cake. At Kaluta's, each baby is placed in the cake by hand after the cake cools and before it's iced and packaged. You flip the cakes over, you just stick the babies in the bottom, put the boys on and flip them back over. And it's just a quick process. Whoever finds the baby in their slice must bring in the next cake. But you'd better be careful where you get that cake because your friends and coworkers in New Orleans are going to have an opinion about it. There's a lot of comparison in New Orleans. We talk about food a lot. And king cake is one of those foods that people really are passionate about. They go crazy for their, their type of king cake or their favorite bakery or their favorite flavor. And um, they'll debate and argue about who's the best. And in John's opinion, if you live outside of Louisiana, you should be buying from an authentic New Orleans bakery and getting it shipped. Or at least buying from a true New Orleans transplant. Because as he's discovered in his travels... And you go to a restaurant and they have gumbo on the, on the menu. It's not really gumbo. <laughs> uh, they, might, they might call it gumbo. They might call it etouffee. But I don't know that... There's um, something about getting it from the source that's a little bit more authentic. I'm not saying there's no good king cakes in, outside the city. I'm sure there are. But my experience with things like gumbo and etouffee when you go outside the city, they're usually not anything close. And no matter where you get it from, be careful to find out if they're actually making the dough from scratch. A lot of places, even some places in the city, mostly like supermarkets and things like that, will buy what's called an institutional cinnamon roll or log and just kind of cut and shape that into a king cake. And it has a basically institutional cinnamon roll type flavor. To place an order for a Kaluta king cake, go to kingcakeshop.com. You can also find a list of their distributors on the site. And Chef Kaluta has one more request. You know, if anybody's had our cakes that's on your list and you like our cakes, they could vote for us at kingcakesnob.com. That would help us out a lot. And if you're headed to Jazz Fest, you can also find Chef Kaluta there making crawfish strudel and white chocolate bread pudding. That's our show. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for a Super Tuesday edition of Meet and 3. 
We'll try to ease those political anxieties with a look at food and voting. I can't believe we're going to have pizza in an hour. <laughs> Special thanks this week to Nicole Cornwell, Jess Kreinchich, Rowan O'Connell-Gates, Sam Lee, and Jake Cohen. Meet and 3 is produced by Hannah Forden, Matt Patterson, Katie Mosman-Wadler, Dylan Hoyer, and me, Kat Johnson. Our audio engineer is Matt Patterson, and our theme song was composed by Breakmaster Cylinder. Meet and 3 is powered by Simplecast. This program was supported in part by the New York City Department of Cultural Affairs in partnership with the City Council. Meet and 3 is a production of Heritage Radio Network, the world's pioneer food radio station. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org and follow us at heritage underscore radio. And you can stay in touch with us by emailing ideas at meetand3.nyc. That's all spelled out. 